Astros and Rangers both get bullied by the broom. We said it couldn't get worse at first. John Singleton says, hold my O'Doul's. It's episode 37 of Stone Cold Shows, and it starts right now. Hello and welcome into Stone Cultures. I'm Brandon Strange, joined by senior content contributor Charlie Palillo. Follow him on Twitter at Palillo and read his weekly column on sportsmap.com. Next to him on screen is sportsmap.com editor Josh Jordan. Follow him on Twitter, Twitter X at Josh Jordan975. Before we get into the news, it's episode 37. Charlie, which Astros player who wore number 37 are we shouting out this week? Well, we can start with levity. I'm not going with the first guy, but either of you two have a, a cone head in your Astros memorabilia stash. Charlie Kerfeld wore number 37 in the 80s. But I'm going with Shane Reynolds, who had a very solid Astros career. He's still eighth on their all-time win list with 103. Uh, also a real solid guy. And uh, my Shane Reynolds factoid for you, at the peak stage of his career, he bought a, a 22,000-square-foot mansion down in Sugarland. Shane Reynolds, also a smart guy, realized he wasn't going to be living that high on the hog forever. Let's downsize a little bit. Sold that 22,000-square-foot mansion to Tracy McGrady. There you go. So, guys, we have reached the players-only team meeting portion of the spiral. Maldi and some others called it. Outwardly, I know how we feel about Martin Maldonado. I know he garners respect inside the locker room. I've heard a lot of fans say him calling a team meeting and with the purpose of kind of getting it together seems a little tone deaf. Considering how comprehensive the team is slumping right now, what's the concern level for not just winning the division, but just making the playoffs at all right now? Well, we have a a lot of angles to have at here. Uh, I mean, I respect the initiative of Maldonado calling the meeting, but aren't there probably players in that clubhouse thinking, hey, if everyone should play better, you stink. You're our worst guy. Why don't you announce your retirement effective immediately if you're that good of a team leader and you want to help out? Um, It was a horrible weekend. I know it was a little on the warm side, but perhaps the Astros should have opened the roof because is this existential? An open roof really can't cave in on you, right? Um, Because it was Seattle and in the standings and where we are down to the final 37 games of the season starting the week with the Red Sox series, of course it was awful for the Astros. But a three-game series, one little slice of 162, right? Heading into that series, the Astros had one of the three best records in the American League since the All-Star break. So it's a very condensed collapse. The 2019 team, which I think is probably the greatest Astros team of all time once Jordan joined, They got swept in a series at Cincinnati. The Reds were lousy, 75 and 87 finish. Verlander and Cole started two of the three games, and they got swept by the Reds. 2021, the Orioles lost 110 games. They swept the Astros in a three-game series at Minute Maid Park. A.J. Hinch's crappy Detroit Tigers swept the Astros in a series at Minute Maid Park. The Astros went out to Oakland and got swept by an A's team. Uh, That was horrific last year. So three games, anything can happen. An atrocity of a baseball team can beat a super elite team. Well, the Astros are no longer anywhere close to super elite. They're just another contender. And anyone thinking right now that they're not in serious danger of potentially missing the playoffs entirely, I mean, I can appreciate an eternal optimist. 
you're either an eternal optimist or a fool if you're not acknowledging that, of course they could miss out, right? Oh, geez, they blew an opportunity to gain ground on the Rangers. How about they're very fortunate? The Rangers got swept at home by the Brewers, and this is still a relatively close race. The Astros just two and a half back. And those Seattle Mariners, at whom some scoffed when suggested they could well climb into the race, they have the best-looking, deepest starting pitching. Uh, here they are. They have absolutely owned the Astros this year. And uh, there is plenty to get to that is not doom and gloom, but coming off the Seattle weekend, what are you going to stick your head in the ground about it? The Astros have lost the season series to the Mariners. Three games remaining, the last week of the regular season, up in Seattle. If that series is, is huge. The Astros have lost the season series to the Toronto Blue Jays. Right? If you're in a wild card tiebreaker with either of those, the Astros are out. Uh, let's throw in as well, the Astros lost the season series to the Minnesota Twins. Right, The leader of the crappy American League Central. Well, they won a season series from the Astros. The five other teams that right now would join the Astros in the playoffs, the Astros' collective record against them this season is 15-20. and 20. They did take two out of three from Baltimore. They do lead the Rangers 6-4, win one of those three in Arlington, where they're probably not going to make the playoffs. But you win at least one of those three, and, hey, you win the season series, and you would hold that tiebreaker over the Rangers should it come down to that. Uh, but this is going to be a furious month-and-change run and the Astros are just another ball club, and we can break it down no matter what area of the ball club. There's nothing great about the Astros team anymore. Yeah, I think it's it's the look of it, too. You know, with Altuve getting thrown out at second and McCormick getting thrown out, the the drop pop fly to the pitcher's mound with Bregman. It's, you know, it's just little things where it's sloppy baseball. That's when it's real obvious to you that you're like – doesn't look like their heads are in this thing right now. And it, every pitcher is pretty much awful, except for JP France right now. The one positive, it looks like the bullpen's getting better. Stanek and Montero are starting to look a little bit better. But overall, it's just it, it's sloppy baseball. So I see what Maldonado's talking about. But the other thing that's real obvious is Diaz needs to be playing every day. And with him calling the team meeting, like, do you ever feel like he's going to get a hit when he comes up to the plate? No. Now the defense... He's a poor defensive catcher, so it's just a bad look all around. But, you know, as Charlie mentioned, it's just a one series. They could turn it around here and look great against the Red Sox, and then we're not really talking about this anymore. But the Mariners look like the real deal, and they've been kicking your butt most of this season, so it stings a little bit. Momentum is something you have until you don't. It can turn on a dime, and all momentum could seem to be against you, and it can and 180 the same thing. But you look at it, and probably over these next couple of weeks, the Astros are going to fall out of playoff position. Doesn't mean that's where they end up. But while the Astros are scuffling, the Red Sox are surging. They just administered last rights to the Yankees over the weekend. Uh, so Boston now is just three games back of the Astros, right? And they're fifth in, in the wild card race. Seven games over the next week and a half, Astros and Red Sox. So the Astros need to stabilize. They need to stabilize now. But unless they really just whip up on the Red Sox and three games at Detroit this weekend, the Tigers aren't good, but they're not the A's or Royals bad. Uh, you look at the Mariners, who've won six in a row, just skunked the Astros, 14 of their last 17. They're 31 and 13 in their last 44 games. And the Mariners' next 12 games, they play three each against the White Sox, the Royals, the A's, and the Mets. So the Mariners don't reckon to be doing much losing over the next couple of weeks, and they're already at the cusp of slingshotting ahead of the Astros. It's likely to happen, at least in this stretch of schedule. The Astros do have the more favorable schedule once we get past Labor Day, but you need to be in the best position possible to take advantage of that. And whether the Rangers in all this, 
right? They were 12 and four out of the break. I mean, the Brewers can pitch and they went in and shut down the Rangers over the weekend. So when Labor Day gets here and the Astros and Rangers play that huge three game series in Arlington over the next couple of weeks, maybe it's the second place Rangers against the third place Astros or vice versa in the American League West, both looking up at the Mariners. Outside of the third inning of that series finale with Seattle, the offense has been pretty impotent. John Singleton, we mentioned him in the open, doesn't appear to be the answer. He still hasn't cracked the nut of how to hit above 200 at the major league level. And unless Michael Brantley has the most cinematic comeback of the season, I, there doesn't appear to be any other levers to pull at this point. The guys are just going to have to play better. But if even if Michael Brantley does come back, it puts you in a, a conundrum where to this point, there's been a clamoring to play Yiner Diaz, who's clearly one of your best offensive players, even though he can't regularly crack the lineup. He's in it a lot more now, but that is because of injury. My thought is, is that if Abreu comes back and he keeps doing Abreu things from this season, Diaz is still your better option at first. They're likely not going to do that, right? The bottom four spots in their lineup basically stink. Uh, you know, I didn't mean it almost literally when I said a week ago, if Singleton never gets another hit after the two home run game. Well, since then, he's one for 25, batting 40. Not 140, 40. So whatever combination of Singleton and Myers and Pena and Dubon, Jolt gets a hit in a blowout loss to snap his 0 for 36. Hey, let's start him the next day. And he goes 0 for 4. So whatever combination of those guys, and if Maldonado is in the lineup, it's to the point where it's straight up idiocy. And for those who say it's a fireable offense, I'm really losing strength and trying to hold back the, the dam of, of that argument. You know, if the Astros wind up missing the playoffs or lose out and winning the division by a game or two, it'll be fair to say that if Yiner had taken over the primary catching duties in, say, June, that could well have done it. Right? Maldi's a negative war player. Yiner is already over two. And uh, Maldonado's had a, a nice career and some real moments here. But the truth is, the harsh truth, the simple truth, nothing but the truth, Maldonado presently stinks at everything. We know offensively he's never been any good. Of course, every once in a while you're going to run into a pitch and hit a home run. Maldonado as an offense is garbage. But his strength, catching Yoda, Menza in a mask, it's to the point, it's absolute BS. Starting the Boston series, team ERA when Yiner catches 3.47, Maldi 4.02. Pass balls, Maldonado successfully defending his major league title from last year. He leads the majors in pass balls. Yiner doesn't have one yet. Okay, Maldi's caught a lot more, but when it's 9-0, you know, Maldonado's caught about 70% of the games. Over 80% of their wild pitches have occurred when Maldonado has been behind the plate. Pitch framing data. You know, maybe you don't buy into it. Nevertheless, as one more information point, there are 59 catchers who have caught the requisite number of innings to qualify in the rankings of pitch framing, which is how do you move behind the plate, finesse a ball into the strike zone, fool the umpire, whatever you want to call it. Among 59 catchers, Martin Maldonado is 59th dead last in pitch framing. Yiner's below average. He's not dead last. The Rangers, by the way, have two of the top three in pitch framing and Jonah Heim and then the guy they acquired while Heim was injured at the deadline, uh, Austin Hedges. Uh, and then there's the one loss record. When Yiner Diaz, right, boil it all down. Just win, baby, right? That's the name of the game. If Molly's so freaking indispensable behind the plate, 
Well, with Yiner as the starting catcher, they are 21 and 10. With Maldi, they are 47 and 43. It's an absolute mismatch. It's just stupid. It's stubborn. And frankly, it's to the point where maybe Jim Crane himself needs to tell Dusty, look, Yiner catches three out of every four games once someone else is playing first base. Or forget the one-year contract extension. We'll take it year by year. Let's take it year by month by month. And September 1st, we'll have someone else calling these shots. Because Dusty's position on Maldonado and the arguments that he makes, they're all just absurd now. Yeah, and it's nice with Maldi. He gets to have it both ways, right? It's, you know, if the pitcher's terrible, then it's the pitcher's fault that day. But if the pitcher throws a no-hitter, it's like, well, yeah, he had Maldi back there. That, that's why he threw the no-hitter. Yeah, meanwhile, so- the, the other nine starts, the other eight starts, including that no-hitter, make it nine starts, ERA of 5.82 for Frambois Valdez. Absolute bullseye, Josh. Uh, yep. You know, when when things go great, it's because of Maldi. When things go wrong, it's because, well, everyone else has let them down. Yeah. It, like like yesterday. Oh, we got to have Maldi in there because Fromber's temperament, uh, he he might kind of lose focus. Or How did that help them yesterday? That didn't work well at all. The biggest improvement you can make on this team is to put in Yiner in for Maldi because then you get a plus offensive player replacing a terrible offensive player and he's better on defense too that would make a huge jump in this lineup but we'll see if Dusty does it he hasn't shown that he's going to do it yet yeah one more data point just to complete the picture on Yiner versus Maldi behind the plate uh throwing out opposing base dealers or would-be base dealers again starting the Boston series Yiner has thrown out 11 of 32 34 percent that's a good number 11 of 32 Maldi has caught 11 of 72. That's 15%. There's a much better chance of Maldi bouncing the throw than there is of him throwing out a would-be base dealer. I mean, there is zero, zero coherent, legitimate point to Maldonado even catching a third of the games at this point, other than if you feel, well, Yiner, since we had not played him enough during the course of the season, he'd, he'd wear down more quickly. One other thing about Yiner I'm not suggesting he's ever going to contend for the stolen base title, but that big man moves. Yeah. For catcher, he runs really well, whereas Maldonado, we know, has like two pianos strapped to his back. Well, Josh, to your point on Maldi being the one to kind of guide Fromber and his temperament behind the plate, it sure looked like J-Rod had more control over Fromber's temperament. So we've talked about it at length. The Astros go from an embarrassment of riches in the rotation too. We don't even know where I would, I don't want to know where they're at without JP France this year, being able to get such a quality run from a guy that was really not on the radar at triple a another poor outing from Fromber and Hunter Brown. Javier looks like he's dealing with the dreaded dead arm. This is very much similar to on the offensive side is there doesn't really look like there's any levers to pull on this unless I'm missing something. Is this, is what ails the Astros, is it something that can be fixed this season? Wow. Uh, well, obviously, it's all internal now. It's not like a possibility of going and making a trade. Uh, the starting pitching <laughs> needs a, a baseball tourniquet. Fromber, we noted, 5.82 over the last nine starts. Uh, Hunter Brown, through April, 2.37 earned run average. Since then, 5.16. Hunter Brown, since the All-Star break, 5.2. Five six, uh, Christian Javier has been basically a mess for more than two months. One quality start, the definition six innings plus 
three earned runs or fewer once in his last nine starts, runs these crazy pitch counts, even if he pitches well. And it's pretty much five innings and done. Uh, Verlander, it's a mini trend, but the wrong direction. Right, Second go-round with the Astros, start one. Hey, seven innings, two runs. Good. Second start, six innings, three runs. Okay. Third start, five innings, four runs. Poor. Um, there has to be stabilization. Obviously, Verlander, because of the overall pedigree, his salary, what you gave up to get him, he must pitch to his worth. Uh, France, an absolute godsend for them, as you note. And, you know, it's, it's not fair and really not reasonable to say, well, if not for the injuries, because if Urquidy doesn't go down, Garcia doesn't go down, we never see J.P. France. Mm -hmm. right? So J.P. France is pitching better than those guys ever pitched, right? Oh, McCullers, come on. Only a fool would have been counting on McCullers at any point anyway. Now, the Tampa Bay Rays, four-fifths of their starting rotation at the beginning of the season, gone for the year. Right? Tommy John for everybody. And the fifth guy, the last man standing, missed the first three months of the season in Tyler Glass now. Um, so the Astros are just failing from within, whether it's guys hitting the wall or uh, league caught up some to Javier. Um, but Fromber, you know, it's not that long ago. He was at worst, you know, a co-Cy Young frontrunner. 2.27 ERA late June for him to be a disaster more often than not over the last month and a half is really jarring. And the starting pitching now, you know, they were number one, number two in all of Major League Baseball through the first half of the season. The Astros starting pitching earned run average now ranks seventh in the American League, pretty much dead middle of the pack. If it does not improve somewhat, they're not going to make the playoffs. And it's interesting. We've been talking about J.P. France like, oh, Dusty would never start him in the postseason. He, he trusts his veteran players. If they somehow squeak into the playoffs and they're still pitching like this, you have to think about putting J.P. France in your playoff rotation. It's I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Every time he goes out there, he gives you a chance to win a ball game. So it'll be interesting to see how things unfold. If he ends up being a guy you have to rely on in the postseason, we we didn't think it would come to this, but we also didn't think Fromber would just fall apart. I know he'll still be in the rotation. Don't get me wrong, but just everybody at the same time just falling off a cliff. I, I did a video last week. I think the problem with Javier is more about he doesn't use his fastball low in the zone anymore. He would spot up fastballs at the knees last year. This year, it's going to be pretty much down the middle, and it's going to be up. And if it's if it's down, it's likely a breaking ball, and the, the hitter can just take it. I think he's become way too predictable. But the Fromber thing, it's, something's going on with him. They got to get that fixed. I think Verlander's going to be okay. France has been solid. They got to get Fromber figured out. Where do Murphy pitching coaches Murphy and Miller fall here? Because you know you can assign blame, you know, to a place like, oh, a guy's slumping, but we, you have an entire rotation that is seemingly slumping outside of JP France, who hasn't been around uh, these coaches as much for whatever you want to read into that. But you're seeing a lot of guys. I mean, obviously it's, it's not coaching. If a guy has a dead arm, that's just, you know, what it is. But Chandler Rome was noting that Fromber's slider has uh, no, not slider. His sinker has four inches less break to it seems to be overthrowing the ball like his velo is up so he's not getting that good snap on a lot of his breaking pitches montero's had his troubles he's kind of right of the ship he's not giving up runs they're still kind of scary innings but it seemed to be on course a little bit how much is this coaching how much of this is just performance we've never seen anything like this where an entire pitching staff that was heralded last season 
from starters to bullpen just have fallen off. And again, they're still what six in, in team ERA, but the trend is not good. Yeah. I think in the, in, in the end, it goes to the athlete. It goes to the individual performance. Obviously it's impossible to say it's 37% on the pitching coaches and throw in when you have the purported Albert Einstein of catchers, what gives on all this? Um, you know, Fromber, can he still be a little emotionally skittish? I mean, he kind of punked out when he threw it, uh, Caballero over the weekend, right? You're getting your doors blown off. So you pout and you throw at a guy. Um, you know, if that had happened with the teams inverted, right? Astros fans would reasonably be screaming holy hell about it. Uh, so, you know, there's ebb and flow in a season, except with Fromber, there pretty much wasn't. Right? 26 consecutive quality starts. He was a metronome of excellence. What JP France has been, seven innings, two runs, pretty much every time over his last seven, eight starts. So Fromber, I don't know, unless it's a cumulative workload of the last two and a half years. But then you throw, I know the Guardians lineup is, is a stink bomb. But nevertheless, you throw a no-hitter in there, an absolute command performance gem, not one real hard-hit ball the whole game. And every other game, they're just smashing you left and right. Um, Brandon, you alluded to the, to the one you know inside baseball uh, element that's surfaced, if you will. If you're overthrowing, over, uh, you know, law of gravity, you're throwing it harder. It's getting there sooner, and you're taking away the opportunity for the bottom to, to drop out of it. Um, so, you know, if the pitching coaches and Maldonado, Fromber himself, have all identified the problem, well, then how do you rectify the problem? And that's where ultimately, to me, it goes back to the player. You can lead the horse to water. He has to drink. Yeah, I heard Bagwell on the, the radio broadcast for a little bit and uh, on Sunday, and he brought up a good play. He was talking about pitching inside and, and how he loves to see that from the guys. So I don't want like Fromber throwing the ball on purpose at somebody and hitting him. But there is a benefit to pitching inside and making making guys uncomfortable to where they just can't dive out over the plate. Then it makes your your low and outside pitches more effective because you're coming up and in just to kind of let them know, like, hey, I'm going to come in every now and then and throw strikes inside too. even guys like Greg Maddox. He didn't throw hard, but he would pitch inside. He'd throw an outside fastball at the knees and then he'd come inside and then he'd work off of that. I don't see the Astros doing a lot of that. So I thought it was interesting that the Bagwell was like, oh, yeah, I like that how he threw inside right there. But they haven't really gone back to it. I think that's something that could help them out. Well, I think there's a difference between wanting to throw inside and just not being able to command pitches right now. And it seems like a lot of the pitching staff just can't do it. And there may be an issue of uh, maybe Maldi's fearful of calling something inside that just ends up floating out over the plate. You've mentioned Christian Javier. I mean, the guy's just giving up gopher balls right now because he just cannot command either the pitch is non-competitive, or it seems to be right down the middle, that's not going to help them out right now. We'll see how that all plays out. I mean, obviously, there's still a fair amount of season left, and this could just be a blip on the radar, but it would be nice if they cleaned it up in a hurry. That's going to be it for another episode of Stone Cold Strohs. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to give us a five-star rating. We do appreciate the support. Thanks to Jack Brain for producing the show, and thanks to everyone for listening. And until next time, Go Strohs. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so.